Welcome to Leaders Lift, the podcast for everyone that has a leadership role in their lives. That's you and everyone else. I'm your host, Greg Cunningham, and thank you for joining me today. Now, before I begin, if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, you're going to notice that I'm in a very different environment. This is my first time recording outside of my home office, and I'm actually recording in my camp trailer from a campground. So we're going to see how this goes. Different video setup, different audio setup. We'll play with it. I've never promised to have perfect versions of either the audio or the video, so here it goes to the test, but I appreciate you listening in anyway. Also, I'm right next to a train yard, and I'm not talking about like a metro station or something like that. I'm actually talking like an old school Rio Grande train yard. The little town that I'm in is known for this train yard. In fact, the campground that I'm in says, that's one of the reasons why you come stay here, is so that you can watch the trains. And I know my grandkids super enjoy that. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I hope you'll be patient as I try and record here, and we'll see how this goes. I'm headed for, currently on, or just finished a vacation. Remember, time is relative in this podcast, and actually I'm not on vacation anymore. Finished up that vacation. But relative time, relative to when it was written for this episode, when I wrote it, when I recorded it, or when you're listening to it. As the time got closer for me to leave on that vacation, I started realizing just how much I needed some real time off. I've done several of the things I've mentioned in my last episode on self-care, so that has helped, but I really needed something more substantial, some really deep replenishment. Now, the challenge for me, and I've talked about this in several episodes, is that I don't do well with downtime. Those struggles have been top of mind the last those few days before I got ready to go on vacation, so I thought I'd dive into them just a little bit deeper. So today, let's talk about doing nothing. I don't mean just sitting around twiddling our thumbs or napping all day, although sometimes a good nap is exactly what the doctor ordered. But I'm talking about when it makes sense to pause and take a step back. I'll also try and share some ideas on how to do that if you're like me and either struggle to take that step back or you step back too far. First, I'd like to say thanks to those that are sharing the podcast with others in their circles. It does make a difference, and hopefully we're getting the word out to those that can truly benefit from the topics we cover. Again, that's really just about everyone. So thank you. This week's story for story time was a little bit hard for me to come by. I think one reason for that is that this is just not something I'm very good at, right? Taking a step back and doing nothing. So I struggled to come up with stories, so either I don't have any, or maybe I just don't remember any really good ones when I actually did nothing. But let me share one that I think will get the point across, but it's a little bit different. I've mentioned that I lived in Brazil for two years. That was when I served a church mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And for those that don't understand what this entails, let me explain how this is different from most other Christian missions you may hear about. I'll share the pieces that are relevant for the story, and if you're curious about other details, just let me know. First, while I got to choose to go on a mission, I didn't get to choose exactly where or when. You submit a packet of information, and then the church leaders determine where to send you. I was obviously assigned to go to Brazil, thus this story. At the time, I was 19, and a lot of young men actually go at 18 right now. And I had never been out of the country, didn't speak a foreign language. And we had had a lot going on with my family. Now, another thing that is different 
is that this was not a humanitarian mission. There are a lot of those. I was being sent to teach anyone that would listen. To do that, I needed training, and I spent eight weeks in what was called the Missionary Training Center, or MTC. After that, we were put straight on flights that ended up in Hisifi, and that's the city that's right on the point where Brazil sticks out in the ocean on the East Coast. Now, just one more piece of background. When you're learning a language in the MTC, you get pretty comfortable. Your teachers are generally either natives of your assigned country, so in this case Brazilian, or they had served missions there. In that very controlled and pretty much unchanging environment, you can learn quickly. Or at least you think you learn quickly. Now, side story. When we got off the airplane in Brazil, I had the opportunity, opportunity for those watching the video, you can see my air quotes, of being the first one to hit customs. The customs lady was asking in Portuguese if we had any electronics. The Portuguese word for electronics is eletrônica. So you would think I would have understood having been so comfortable speaking Portuguese in the MTC. Not a chance. She had to repeat herself several times before she said slowly, eletrônica. And then I understood and was able to move on. So that just gives you a background that even though I was comfortable with the Portuguese, it wasn't great. Outside customs, our mission leader picked us up and we took care of some administrative stuff and then found out which city in the mission boundaries we would start our service in. They took me to the bus station that evening and sent me off to a city of about 200,000 people called, called Karuaru. Now, based on my customs experience and trying to talk to others in the mission office, I realized that the training I had in the MTC for Portuguese was not going to help right at that moment. It was great training, don't get me wrong. It wasn't that I didn't have the basics of the language, but what they could not replicate in the MTC was the speed and the accent. I found that I really couldn't tell where one word stopped and the next began. So on the whole bus ride, I was basically in panic mode, thinking how in the world I would handle anything that came up. I was told that when I got to Karawaru that the other missionaries already in the city would be there to pick me up. Well, that was another big nope. I found myself staring around the bus terminal, which was way outside the city, and feeling very much out of place. I was the tallest and probably the most filled out person in the building. I was 6'2 and about 195 pounds at the time. And to top it off, I couldn't understand anyone and they couldn't understand me. My mind was absolutely racing. How was I going to find two missionaries in a city of 200,000 people? What should my next step be? I didn't have any money for the payphone. This was in 1994, so give me a break. No cell phones. And so basically, I was stuck. I prayed very hard. And then I just sat there with my two suitcases, wondering what was next. There really wasn't anything else that I could do, so I did nothing. A long while later, probably much shorter than it seemed to me, the other two missionaries showed up, and I was beyond relieved. But what they told me made me even more grateful. They had no idea when I was going to be coming. They happened to call into the mission office that night, and one of the leaders asked if they had picked me up. That resulted in them heading out to the bus station. I felt very, very blessed. Now, like I said, this may not be the perfect example, but I really wonder what would have happened if I had tried to go out looking for them or had wandered off. It really was best for me to do nothing and just stay put. I hope that helps. If not, I hope it was a fun story. So let's move on. 
Now, this week for my little lift recommendation, I just want to recommend something different. You know that I'm into camping. I'm in my camp trailer right now. But last uh, week, we spent our vacation time up at a campground in kind of northern Utah called Wasatch Mountain State Park. So I can't recommend this state park highly enough. We're going to spend 20 plus nights up in that campground over three different trips, at least this year. So it's a great campground. If you're into camping, they've got tent spots. They've got spots for all different sizes of RVs. But I love it because I can get into the little town called Midway or even the little bigger city called Heber, get anything that we need. But there's tons of great mountain bike rides all over the park. So I wanted to recommend that if you're in Utah and thinking about, hey, I'd like to go on a little camping trip, um, even if you just tent camp, it's a great place to go. It's very close to Deer Creek Reservoir. So if you want to get on the water, all of those kinds of things available to you. So again, that's Wasatch Mountain State Park in Utah. Doesn't have a whole lot to do with doing nothing, except for I tried to do nothing while we were up there this last week while we were on vacation. So there's my recommendation. Let's start by defining nothing. I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here. And I know there are folks out there with the opinion that you can't really do nothing. So can we just agree not to go there? What I would like to use for our basic definition of doing nothing is either taking a step back or not taking an action. It also means not giving into that immediate urge to dive in and solve a problem. And finally, it's trying to let our brains have some time to just think. Those are the definitions that I'd like to use for our discussion today. Let me just talk about this upcoming slash past vacation and how that got me to thinking about this topic. Now, we've had this trip planned for a few months now. We've known that we wouldn't have the grandkids, and I've tried to plan all of my business stuff around the trip. I've changed my recording schedule for Gadgets for Families. I couldn't get Apple to change WWDC to another week, so we're still going to need to record. And I even gave a heads up on this podcast that I wouldn't be recording that week. My clients' projects will all, were and will be, or remember, time is relative, I'll be at a point where there's nothing on me for that week. The trailer's ready. We got in a test trip with it. I even took care of the, some of the stuff around the house that I had planned on holding off on until I got back. So I should be able to go and just relax and enjoy, right? Well, he don't know me very well, do he? If you get that reference, let me know. Now, the goal for this trip was time away from work, sort of. Time away from home, and honestly, time away from the grandkids. Lots of bike rides. We're going to my favorite place to bike ride. I just recommended it. I do have some bike maintenance to do, and maybe a thing or two for the camp trailer, but nothing major. I also have a few other introvert types of things on my list. Earlier, I said I sort of for work, sort of time off for work, so let me explain what I mean by that. I'm hoping that since I've tried to clear out all of my time-sensitive, important to-dos prior to this trip, that I'll be able to do some strategic thinking, not just about work, but about our family as well. For work, I'm hoping to have time to just brainstorm and strategize about how to grow the business and what my next step should be. For the family, we're hoping to have time to talk about relocating, timing on selling or renting the house, and a bunch of other those kinds of things. Now, some of you may be wondering how this ties into doing nothing. Well, the problem that I have with these kinds of more strategic things is that the doing of things gets in the way of time to think. And when I have things to do, I'm more likely to focus on things I can actively work on or complete instead of things like thinking and strategizing. 
that's the tie-in, and that's the first thing I wanted to share with y'all. The lesson is that we all need to have time when we are thinking instead of doing, and sometimes we need to get creative in finding ways to do that. I think that's why so many companies do executive retreats. Back when I was traveling for business, I would use the time in an airplane or in a hotel for some of this kind of stuff. As a business owner, this has become more difficult as there's always something that needs to be done. Administrative tasks, customer service, client needs, podcasting, researching, writing, etc. So I have to be more creative in finding ways to get this done as well. And as the date for us to go on vacation got closer, I started having second thoughts about taking this time off. My brain kept reminding me of the work I could be doing, the podcasts and videos I could produce, the stuff around the house I could complete, etc. It all just kept going through my mind. So is going on this trip and doing the right, doing nothing the right thing? Or are all these other things I'm considering more important? The answer to that is the trip was absolutely the right thing. How do I know that? Well, first I know myself well enough, I've talked about this many episodes about getting to know ourselves, to know that I need some deeper self-care and well-replenishment. See episode 18 where I talked about replenishing the well. And I need it soon. I'm in a good spot right now with everything, but I know that my personal well is losing water or energy faster than it's being replenished, and that I need to do something about that soon. This trip, even with some of the goals I mentioned earlier, should help replenish that well. So number one, I know that I need the replenishment. Second, from a business standpoint, there are some key decisions that I wanna make in the next month or even less. In order to make those decisions, I need to have time to just think without a whole bunch of to-dos. Now, you might ask if I couldn't do that at home. Maybe, sorta, kinda would be my answer. Even if I got all the to-dos off my list, I'd still be at home and something else would come up. Besides, won't sitting in my hammock looking out over a beautiful mountain valley be more conducive to opening up my brain? It should. It will definitely be more relaxing, and I'm hoping that once I relax, my brain will flow more freely. Now, third, and maybe the biggest reason the answer is yes, this trip is the right thing, is the timing. The grandkids are going to be with their dad for 10 days or two weeks. My son, who just graduated, is working full-time, and so that means there's nothing really holding us back at our house. We can go and not worry about childcare or someone being left home and running wild for the week. That in and of itself will help my brain focus on doing nothing because I won't have all the normal worries running through my head. Okay, I said that was setting the stage for why this topic came up. But let me reiterate the lesson here. Sometimes we need to do nothing in order to do our best thinking. In addition, sometimes we need to set up the environment so that we can do our best thinking. And that may be different for each one of you. But for me, that's what I think I have set up for next week or what I set up for last week. Again. Time is relative. Let's take this concept of doing our best thinking or doing nothing and tie it into strategy versus execution. Now, execution is obviously doing something. In this context, strategizing or defining strategy is a version of doing nothing or not acting. This is another time when doing nothing is the right thing. Just diving in and executing without some sort of strategy or at least an idea of what the destination or end goal may be is the opposite of being deliberate, which I've mentioned tons of times. The Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland said, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter which road you take. If you do know where you are going, or at least know you want to get somewhere, 
it does matter which road you take and how you travel it. And that almost always starts with a little bit of doing nothing, thinking. You don't have to take months, weeks, or even days to think about it, but you do need to think about it and know where you want to go. Now, another reason for delaying on execution, and maybe even strategizing, is timing. Sometimes the timing just isn't right to figure out a strategy. Thinking about and planning to buy a new home right after getting laid off might be a good example of the timing just not being right. And related to searching for a job, sometimes taking a step back and doing nothing will actually make your job search more fulfilling or productive. Now, the first time I laid off was at the beginning of December. Just the thought of diving full-time into a job search in December made me nauseous. And most likely it would not have borne any fruit, which would have frustrated me, which would have made a potentially difficult holiday season even more difficult, which would have impacted my attitude about job hunting when the time was right, and on and on and on, and would have continued to spiral. What I needed to do then was nothing. Nothing but reset, think about what I wanted to do next, and get ready to execute when the time was right, which was right after the holidays. In the professional world, there are tons of examples of timing. Investing in a product or service or another company can be greatly impacted by the timing. When you launch a product as well, for example, if you're hoping to have the hit toy of the holiday season, you probably want it launched and on shelves prior to Black Friday. In our personal lives, timing on when to act and when to do nothing is super important as well. Think about selling a home or buying a home, relocating, Think about your timing of your kids in school, or even things like going back to school or taking on a new hobby. There are times when these goals just need to wait until, well, the right time. Those are the times when we need to not try and force a square peg into a round hole by acting. So we may want to do nothing and wait for the right time. Another time when it may be right to not act is when we really don't have enough information to start moving. Now, to be clear, this is not the same thing as analysis paralysis, which is wanting all the information before taking any action. What I'm talking about there is the idea that there may be key pieces of information you need to wait on before taking action. You wouldn't pay a mechanic the money to fix your car before you knew what was wrong and how much it would cost, would you? So you need that information before you act. Another time when doing nothing besides stepping away may be the best course is when you are emotional. When our emotions are at overdrive, it can be very hard to make good decision and act the way we would want to. Our default behaviors, some of which can lead directly into pitfalls, kick in and it's much harder to mitigate them and avoid those pitfalls. You can go back to my personality styles episode to learn about those things. Quite often in these situations, these high emotional situations, it's a good idea to step away or take some time to calm down and just breathe. I run into this when a house, trailer, or bike projects are not going the way I would like them to, and that's quite often. When I get frustrated, I have to walk away as I generally only make things worse if I keep trying to force the issue. Let me share a personal example that I'm not terribly proud of. When I was running a service desk, we had a very high customer satisfaction goal, and that was fine. We generally did a really good job and could meet those goals. We met it almost every month. The challenge I had with all of this was that my boss felt that the best way to get that goal was to address every single complaint that came in. Not only did he want me to address them, but he wanted them all treated as if that one complaint would push us below the target. To him, the complaints all had equal weight regardless of the type, context, or severity. 
I agreed with meeting our target, but I did not agree that we should treat them all equally. Some of the complaints I preferred to just acknowledge and move on versus doing root cause analysis and action plans. We had a lot of back and forth on this, and one day he brought me a stack of complaints. Literally. He had printed out about a quarter to half an inch of complaints. I don't remember how the exchange went, but I got pretty upset. Instead of just taking them and asking if we could discuss it later, which would have been the doing nothing version of this, I grabbed them, walked back to my office about 10 yards away. Before I got through the door, I had taken the stack of complaints and torn them in half. Have you ever torn that much paper? It's loud. And remember, he was still where I had walked away from him. Oh, and did I mention that my office was where everyone on the team could see in here? Yeah. Not really a shining moment for me. I did end up apologizing, but that did some damage to our relationship and was not beneficial for the team. And this is definitely one example where, because of emotions, I should have just walked away and then came back when I wasn't so emotionally on edge. Not something I would suggest that you try. Can I move on now? That's not a fun experience. Let's talk now about how doing nothing or not acting could apply in how we lead and support others. Besides not acting, in this context, doing nothing could also mean not doing very much. I know that's probably splitting hairs, but let me explain. If you're leading a team and working on a development plan with someone, or if you're trying to help your kids move through those interesting teenage years, tough, interesting teenagers, there will be times when they either come to you for help or you see them struggling. When that happens, how do we or how should we react? I've talked about this in the past, but there are some leaders whose natural tendencies are to jump in and start solving the problem. That's definitely one of my natural tendencies and is one that I've had to work on extensively because it's quite possible that starting to act is not the right thing to do in many of those situations. So how do we know when to step in and how much? First, think about whether the situation or problem is something they should be able to take care of themselves. If the answer to that is yes, then as a general rule, not acting is best. Second, think about how critical the problem is. If it's super serious and the answer to can they handle it is something other than absolutely, there may be something you need to do, step in and do. But if it's not critical, should you really dive in? Third, if you do decide that you need to do something, consider doing as little as possible. Does that sound off to you? Well, think about it this way. If it is their problem, and we will try and talk through some examples in a bit, they really should be the one to solve it. Your role as the leader should be to support them in doing so, not doing it for them. And this is especially true if it's part of a stretch or growth opportunity for them. And the same thing would go for our kids. If they fail a test at school because they weren't prepared, don't step in. Let them figure out how to get back on track. If they have a fight with a good friend, also probably not best to step in. Let them figure out how to work through that. Let's talk through a professional example. You've assigned a more junior member of your team to lead the efforts to refresh a team recognition program. This is a good opportunity for them to learn influence management skills, and it's not something that is going to cause issues if it doesn't go smoothly. Assuming you already have a recognition program in place, but it just needs a refresh. A couple of weeks later, you ask another member of the team that's collaborating with that leader how it's going, and they indicate that nothing has been done yet. Well, that's odd to you because when you talk to that leader, 
They indicated that there were several ideas and more detail would be coming shortly. It's a pretty simple example, so it's most likely that the junior leader was just running with this on their own rather than taking advantage of the others on the team. So what do you do here? You could go back and talk to the leader and get them to engage the others, or you could let it play out and see if they do eventually involve others or how it progresses. The worst that could happen in this case, if you do nothing, would be that they do all the work themselves and then the team pushes back and it has to get done again. Is that a bad thing? Well, probably not. It's not going to break anything. You already have an existing program. But they would learn some valuable lessons in ways that they may not have learned if you had stepped in. Does that make any sense? Just a simple example. And so far, we've talked about taking time to think instead of act, strategizing versus executing, lacking information, being emotional, and how not taking action can ben benefit those we lead. But let's wrap up by talking about how doing nothing or not acting can benefit you. First, dialing it back. Talked about this. There are times when you need to just sit back and do nothing, even if it is just for a few minutes. Now, doing nothing in this scenario could mean doing some deep breathing exercises, meditation, taking a walk, grabbing a drink of water, or anything that just allows you to step away from the keyboard tools, problems, person, etc., and get your bearings again. You need to get good at recognizing when you absolutely need to do this, even if it's not convenient. A lot of us, and I assume it got worse, worse with remote work, eat lunch at our desks. When I went into an office, I even had a mini fridge in my office, so in theory, I didn't have to walk to the break room. That's not good. We need breaks. There's a reason break and lunch periods are mandated by law. Even if they weren't, it would still be a good practice. Now second, deep replenishment. Like I'm trying to do my best last week, like I tried to do my best last week, there also comes a time when you need more than a few minutes a day or a weekend to do nothing. You need to know when your personal well is running dry and how best to replenish it. For some, it would be a vacation with friends and family. For others, it may be a solo trip, extended time in the outdoors, or even curled up on the couch binge watching, reading, gaming. Whatever it is that works for you, let that bleed into your definition of doing nothing. And then the last piece for us is giving ourselves permission to do nothing when you need to. This ranges from taking a break to taking a vacation. It means not jumping in to bail someone out when they are capable of course correcting on their own. Sometimes you have to mentally give yourself permission to let them struggle. This goes for team members, direct reports, kids, and other family members. That's not something that's easy to do, especially when it's someone you care about and you know how to help them. But you have to remind yourself that it will be better if they work through it. And finally, and this is related to not helping someone, you need to get comfortable giving yourself permission to tell pretty much anyone no. Also not easy. Now think about telling your boss that you can't take on an assignment or that you won't change your vacation. Or telling one of your kids no on something they really, really care about. Getting a cell phone. I don't know. Whatever it may be. Or telling another adult in your life that you can't help them until they help themselves. I've been through all of these situations, and I'm sure you have as well. If you haven't, you will. But saying no may be the best thing for you and for them. This is something I need to constantly be aware of. Otherwise, I can get into situations where I'm helping, think problem solving, so much that while I may be solving the immediate problem, I'm actually making things much more difficult in the long run. So I actually finished up the writing of this episode about a day and a half into my vacation. 
I can tell you that I had already been struggling with not doing anything or not having any to-dos or actions to take. It rained a ton on the day that I finished writing this, which is fine, but that also meant I kind of been stuck inside and not been able to even get in a walk once an hour or so, you know, get up and move around the campground. Luckily, I got in a great bike ride before the storm started, but I've really noticed how hard it is for me to just sit back and relax. I've tried tricking my brain, as I mentioned in previous episodes, that dialing it back is the most important thing for me to be doing right then, but even that hadn't been terribly effective. I should have taken a nice nap that day during the storms, but I couldn't just let myself lay down and crash. Now, the reason I mention this is to encourage those of you that are like me and always need to be doing something to keep working at it, to find ways that you can dial it back and relax. I really needed that week of downtime, and if I had kept feeling guilty or trying to find things to do, I wouldn't have replenished my well. And then I would get back to work this week while I'm recording and continue to struggle. I did find ways to relax towards the end of the week and got much better, but I had to work at it. And it's not just dialing it back that's important. If you're a compulsive problem solver, one of these days you're going to go jump right into a solving a problem and get down the road and then realize you've actually made things worse to the point that it, the problem is no longer reasonably solvable. Or you're going to dive in and deprive someone you are leading of the opportunity to learn and grow because you did it for them. Now, not replenishing the well, making a problem worse, or not giving somebody else a chance to solve it on their own, they can, those kinds of things can be extremely impactful on our lives and on the lives of those we lead. So even if it's tough, please start recognizing those times when not acting or doing nothing is the right thing to do. And then do your absolute best to hold yourself back. It may be extremely difficult and uncomfortable to start with. But like most good things, if you can master this skill, you will find yourself much further down the road to meeting your potential. Why? Well, because you will know when you need to replenish. You'll have given others the opportunity to develop and grow by not acting in some areas. Some areas. That will free you up to act in other areas where it's more important that you take action. And Steve Jobs has been quoted as saying that saying no to things is more impactful than what you say yes to. Why? Because when we say no or do nothing, we really can focus on those areas where we need to act or think or take a break. And all of this combined helps us move toward our fullest potential. Thanks again for sticking it out to the end of another episode. Don't forget to share out the show to someone that may need it. If you already follow me on any of the social media platforms, like like, share, retweet, all of those posts, so that we can engage others in reaching their potential and helping those they lead do so as well. So until next time, go out there and keep lifting. And oh, by the way, I hope this worked out with me recording in the trailer. I'll see when I go to edit it. It's kind of a one-shot deal here. Um, if you like um, anything about this episode or things that you say, yeah, maybe you could have done this differently, please reach out using my feedback form. Thanks, and have a great day.